Welcome to the Chick Monks Podcast, where we explore the spiritual path of contemplative Christianity with a female voice and perspective. It's been about four years since I've been excited about Christmas. I remember my first Christmas in Nashville decorating my Christmas tree, listening to David Bazan's perfectly depressing Christmas album, wondering if I'd ever feel like myself again. That year, I'd finally admitted that my faith wasn't working for me anymore. And when Thanksgiving rolled around and twinkle lights started popping up everywhere, instead of feeling the warmth of Christmas joy, I felt the cold fingers of grief wrap around my heart from the inside, clenching and pulling me away from the season that I love more than anything. I mean, in college, my friends called me Buddy the Elf. Actually, that's been my favorite movie for like longer than it's even been around. I love Christmas, the cheer, the bundled hugs, the magic of everyone agreeing to decorate and give and party and sing together. All of it's enchanted me with the enthusiasm of a kindergartner for most of my life. And all of it lost its luster in 2016 as I sank into the depths of my heart without a guide, without a map, without a truth. I drank a lot. Donald Trump got elected. I still went to Christmas parties, I think, but I had just moved to a new city, so I didn't really have a community. I kept up my three to four Bumble dates per week, and I went home with a few of them, cried myself to sleep most of the nights that I was alone. I hadn't started a yoga practice yet, and I wanted nothing to do with my Bible. So I had no grounding, no ritual, no source of light in the darkest point of the year. I was utterly in the dark, and the impossibility of imagining light in the midst of my darkness made me so angry that I was intolerable to the people who tried to love me and encourage me, and I was a stranger to myself. The lack of Christmas comfort and joy was disorienting to me, and I was forced to reckon with yet another loss. I'd lost God I'd lost my faith, I'd lost my community, my sense of identity, my best friend, my hope, and now I'd even lost my favorite time of year. And then, in the midst of my decorating, the song I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day began to play. I'm not sure I'd ever paid attention to the words before that moment. But as I did, I was given words that softened my aching, fearful heart. It didn't hurt any less, but I wasn't alone. I started hearing the song everywhere that year. I even went to my brother's house for Christmas, and as I sat down at the piano and opened up the carol book, it fell open to the same song. I played and sang and cried in the haze of red wine while my family watched Hallmark movies downstairs. I was alone, and yet somehow in the company of at least one man. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, 
who had written the words that were comforting and warming my cold heart 150 years ago. Our Christmas was heavy for me. I don't remember much of it because I'm an Enneagram 7 and I'm remarkably skilled at blocking out unhappy memories. But the next year was only slightly better as my faith began to fall back into place and I found myself in a church, but as a child again. Learning the liturgical calendar and still making shaky attempts to reconcile my doubts with my newfound spiritual practice in the mystical side of Christianity. I experienced my first Christmas Eve midnight mass, and I was newly in love with the man who had invited me to it. But I still felt a jaded resistance to the unbridled joy around me. And Christmas didn't seem any different, honestly, than any other time of year to me. I still had a deep desire to get Christmas right, and I was too fresh in my new tradition to feel confident about what right meant. So I resisted the joy. The next year, I was crushed from a breakup, had to scrape myself up off the ground just to get through the season. A soft blanket and a golden doodle who loves me were my morning graces, and my thoughts swirled 24 hours a day to try to heal my broken heart faster. My friends and family supported me as I grieved my way through Christmas yet again. And here we are. 2019. I have my bearings in my faith. I have direction in my life. I have people who love me in grief and joy, in tears and play, and I have a deeper and wider love for Christ than I ever have before. This year, I can feel a little bit of my Christmas cheer returning. As we all agree, no matter our tradition and beliefs, That light shines brightest in the darkness. Here's the point of all of this. Christmas is hard. Christmas is often a time when we encounter a lot of shoulds. How we should feel. What we should believe. Everyone has an opinion about commercialism and what Christmas is really about. What it should be like, how we should celebrate, what we should think or want. It's a time we measure our lives by what we thought that should be like by now. What the year behind us should have brought into our lives. And instead of gratitude, we set ourselves up to face the disappointment we've been holding on to and often resisting. And we're left another year later with our longings that things were different from how they are in our own lives in our relationships, in the world. This is one of the reasons the idea of Advent is so powerful to me. The church calendar includes a four-week period of longing. While the world around us hosts Christmas parties and celebrates the season, the church steps into a season where all we have is our desire that things were different. Advent speaks to our longing. It gives us room to be in the darkness. It gives a season to grieve that things don't seem to be as they should. Advent is a space for those of us who have been disappointed in this life. And Advent gives us an opportunity for hope. It is a longing and an anticipation that in the midst of darkness, a light the light that created the universe 
will come and will shine into the darkness. The light of life, the light of creation, the light of the world is love and it is our only hope. There's hope in the nativity story of a young mother and father who died to themselves, to their plans, to their reputation, to all of their shoulds, in order to birth love into the world. There were promises made to them about this child and their willingness to hope and long for the fulfillment of those promises gave space for love to enter in. Outside of convention, outside of the demands of society, outside of the safety of their own plans and understanding. So today, no matter your longing, no matter your disappointment, no matter the state of your belief system or what your shoulds have told you, there is an opportunity for hope. Not because it makes sense or because you can even see it now or at all, but because to hope for love is to see love. Love is what got you where you are. There is no other way. Love is the water you're swimming in, the air you breathe. Love is in every heart around you, every eye you look into, every hand you touch. This perfect love is the light of the world. So I'd like to end this episode by leaving you with a simple recording of that song that means so much to me. Because, honestly, music is my favorite gift to give. May you this season find hope, peace, joy, and love as you long for light to enter in. Of peace on earth.
With peace on earth, goodwill.